Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Russ, and you have tuned into episode number 183 of Linux in the Ham Shack. And with me tonight to pound this one out, since we're whoa, way late again, as always, mm-hmm. is Cheryl. Wow. Yeah. We're so old. 183. <laughs> 183. That's wow. right. In dog years, we're like, I don't know. Don't he can't even count that high. And that's like a zillion. You're right. Yeah. Oh, you didn't even say hi. You just said hi. you just started talking. Okay. Yeah. Hi, everyone. <laughs> and we also have Bill, fresh back from the Windy City, NE4RD. Good evening, everyone. So let's talk about the ARL and the FFCC and the DNS and the UBQ and all the crazy acronyms. <laughs> okay. You want to start with that? or? Uh, sure, why not? The ARRL asked the FCC to allocate a new 5 megahertz band. Retaining channels and current power limits. 60 meters continues to be in the news. This latest bit is here in the U.S., and the AWRL is petitioning to get the same allocation that were mentioned before from the WRC 15 conference. The AWRL wants to maintain the other channels while allocating 5.3151 to 5.3665 to the amateur service. And even though this is a U.S. story, it came from Southgate ARC, which is, of course, in the U.K., yeah, they're just petitioning for it, and uh, I, I don't see why why we wouldn't get it, but uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, this just opens us up to have the same allocation as uh, as we're seeing all the uh, European Union and, and other uh, countries over in Europe. Which makes sense, because if it's being used in the amateur service around the globe, we might as well have it here. The nice part is we'll still be able to maintain 100 watts, where the other ones are like, what, 15 watts and 5 watts or something like that? ERP or PEP or yeah right yeah one <laughs> Ireland's a, choose, the 15 watt one. PEP and then the other ones are the 15 watts EIRP. See, I told you it was all the acronyms. It was ARRL, yes. FCC, PEP, <laughs> EIRC, <laughs> Southgate yeah, ARC. Yeah, that's right. We can't have enough letters. Okay, so go ahead and let's talk about Codec Two. Codec Two is a great project. Yeah, Codec 2, 700C. Uh, I saw this pop up on Slashdot, of all places, first, and uh, I tried to get to the website, and, of course, it, it was Slashdot affected for a little bit. But the continued effort to build a more efficient codec for FreeDV, amongst others, continues. The goal was to get the same quality from 700 bits per second as is achieved in the current 1300 bit per second. Uh, the link that we have in the show notes uh, provides recordings of both. Um, while they're slightly robotic, as you would expect at such a, you know, <laughs> a very uh, very highly compressed signal. The difference in quality is is not easy to tell the difference, uh, or it's not easily discernible. So it uh, it definitely sounds like they're working hard at this and uh, going to make this a viable opportunity. It's always been very interesting to me, especially when we had David Rowe on quite a few episodes ago talking about the the technique they use for doing the audio compression and how effective the algorithm he created is, and to think that they're actually cutting that down by half again <laughs> pretty soon they're only going to need like five bits just <laughs> yeah <laughs> it'll just be so good it'll it'll be quantum yeah yeah exactly <laughs> but uh, this is cool maybe we need to have david on again and have him talk about his his new algorithm and and uh, new advancements in codec 2 that would be cool that would be nice in front of hamvention coming up and 
what four months now so yeah yeah it's coming just around the corner yeah no kidding all right so do you want to read about the bat beam proposal can we record you doing that we'll we'll shut up you can do it again make it make it record you know record worthy and i'll have it here for later what the da 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 yeah but do it but do it like you mean it okay bat beam whatever okay so our next story is about the bat beam proposal rick brady W5FCX says the bat beam is a multi-band high gain software defined Yagi antenna being developed as a free open source project. Yay. The goal is for a group of us amateurs to collaborate on the design development, testing and production of these antennas together, both to advance the state of the art, have fun and learn some new technologies together, doing what we like to do. And that actually came from his blog, the W5FCX blog. So I'm taking a look here at the bat beam, which is rather an interesting looking antenna, actually. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think it's uh, loosely based on um, a football. Yes, football. I think loosely it's a, based on the footprint of the spider beam. I think so it's an familiar with that antenna. Did you know that the, the the name of the shape of a football is an oblate spheroid? Oblate spheroid. Yes, there is actually a oh. name for the shape of a football. It's a it, highly technical drawing on the website. It is. It is. Too. Yeah. On on some lined note paper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it looks like a. Um, but all the best ideas start out this way. No, they usually right. start well, out on a typically napkin. Typically on cocktail napkins. Yeah. Well, yeah, absolutely. Apparently, he just happened to have a notepad with him while he was at the bar. So, <laughs> What's up with that? Jeez. The thing so. is, we have all these antenna modelers we've talked about on past episodes, and you could build an antenna that was shaped like a bat wing and you know, run the diagnostics on it and see how it would perform as a ham radio antenna. As a butternut beam. You remember that one? It's more of a bow tie. Okay, so, okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. You with about. me on that? Now? Yeah, I'm, I'm with <laughs> you. kind of, you could probably think it looks like a bat, maybe, without extended wings. And who knows? I'm not sure if it's been tried yet, but maybe uh, maybe an antenna shaped like a bat wing is the most effective radiating pattern of all, and no one's just ever even tried it because they thought it was dumb. So you and Bill need to get on that, is yeah, what I'm right. saying. Because it wasn't written on a cocktail napkin. Well, exactly. I'll get you a cocktail napkin in a few minutes and you can start writing. Okay, so. I'll, I'll jot we, down we, my design. We actually built a, a like one based on a fractal design, and that was kind of cool. But probably not very efficient. It actually wasn't bad. Hmm. It was part of my son's uh, science fair project. He built it all, and then not, you know, I used all my test equipment to uh, well, do all that fancy stuff. You need, you need to market the fractana. Cause the fractana. <laughs> I probably still have it here somewhere. If it hadn't been crushed, we've kind of built it out of dowels and bell wire. So <laughs> it's yeah. very hard to maintain the shape. I, I can say it now, son. Do you happen to know where that antenna went? He's going, yeah, it went for firewood last year, Dad. <laughs> so moving on from our ham radio topics for the evening, let's talk about some open source stuff. And Bill, I know you really want to dive into quantum computing, so oh, go for it. Yeah, I'm all about this quantum stuff. I know you've quantum already computing. programmed one, right? You've already programmed a quantum computer. Oh yeah, yeah, it's all yeah. real. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> quantum computing is real. It really is. And uh, D-Wave just open sourced it. It's not like we really have it, but it's open source now. <laughs> <laughs> quantum computing is real, but it is also hard. 
so hard that only a few developers usually trained in quantum physics, advanced mathematics, or most likely both can actually work with the few quantum computers that exist. Now, D-Wave, the Canadian company behind the quantum computer that Google and NASA have been testing since 2013, wants to make quantum computing a bit easier through the power of open source software. I have a theory about these things because I was reading this article about quantum quantum computing, and it's very complicated, of course, as are most things in theoretical physics. But I think they're just putting down a bunch of gibberish and claiming that they understand it so they can have a job. And the rest of us aren't going to understand it anyway because it's just a bunch because of crap. Because we don't know, right? right. <laughs> so, for, the, uh, for the elites in the uh, academia world. Okay, so why aren't you and Bill doing that? You I don't can know. Sc- like, you can scribble stuff down on the cocktail Exactly. Napkin. We can make a, bu- a bunch of random crap And we can make and- all these fake keywords. I mean, look at this. QB-solve and QMASM. QMASM sounds like it needs to be in penthouse form, actually. Yeah, I'm thinking that's probably almost the... You know, when you said QMASM, I was like, no, that doesn't sound good. I think we just upgraded the ESRB rating on this podcast. Yep, we're now no longer uh, Y7. Family friendly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, if you want to get into quantum computing and you have 16 years to kill studying theoretical physics and all of that, here's an article that might lead you down that road. Or maybe not. You know, because you know how quantum <laughs> computing works, right? It's <laughs> It's all sort of maybes. Um, it's all super states of matter and uncertainty and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's all hooey. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I think I should do the next one. Okay, do the next one. Okay. The next one's Happy Hacking Linux. It's a new Linux distro created for pragmatic developers. The goal of this project is to give you a powerful, ready-to-use desktop that works fast even in an old computer. To accomplish this goal, Happy Hacking Linux takes Arch Linux and adds sane defaults that will work best for developers. Its installation wizard links your dot .files automatically, installs and configures users, internet, fonts, time zone, uh, time zone automatically, runs your post-installation scripts if you provided one, and sets up a tiling window manager that will boost your productivity. In other words, Happy Hacking Linux is Arch Linux plus a good developer setup. And that came from Azure.com. Cool, uh, yeah, domain there. Yeah, uh, I, I actually installed this just to try it out, and uh, everything worked except for uh, oh gee, what was that part? Oh yeah, none of the networking works, and nothing else installed after. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's useful. <laughs> yeah. Like so. Yeah. <laughs> so, what tiling window manager is it using? It's basically the the windowless. So, like you have the workspaces, and uh, it's like frameless. What do they call that? I don't know what they call that. <laughs> uh, terminal is, let's see, it uses Terminal URXVT. It has a newsreader. Wow. Here's somebody who's been around for a while, apparently. Uh, the browser is Suckless Surf, which i got to say, okay. I've never heard of that. Suckless Surf. <clears throat> yeah. Let's look that up real quick. <laughs> suckless Surf. Suckless Surf, right. Apparently, it doesn't suck. Because it because it is, le- it is less suck, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is surf less suck. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, there it yeah. is. Surf is a simple web browser based on WebKit, so it's a WebKit browser. Uh, it's able to display websites and follow links. It supports the X embed protocol, which makes it possible to embed it in other applications. And one can point surf to another URI by setting its X properties. 
Interesting. It's MIT licensed. I think it might be you know a, a custom tiling desktop. Xmonad is the tiling window manager. Oh, uh, there that, it is. That, yes. Yeah. Sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> it also uses Xmobar, presumably yeah. as the menu bar. So, so yeah, I got it installed, and I was I was trying to launch the program, you know, the little super key P, and I'm like, okay, I'm typing surf, and it's not coming up. I'm like, what the hell? And yeah, at the top it shows you your status, and it's like it says offline. I'm like, oh, well, I know what that means. <laughs> I'm host. No, <laughs> yep. no interweb, so right. it didn't install any of the extra crap that it grabs off the uh, off the repositories. But you shouldn't be able to install like anything with Pac-Man and stuff like that, uh, since it is running Arch. Actually, I'm kind of curious about it. I I like the logo, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I was like, oh, I gotta at least at least try installing it before we talk about it. Right. Yeah. Then I, I got bit by the arch bug. <laughs> <laughs> by the no network bug. Yeah. 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 I don't know why. Who knows? Who knows why Arch does anything? Who knows why people even like Arch? Yeah. 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 I'm not running it anymore. That's for sure. <laughs> not, not even as Manjaro. You don't not doing that anymore. No, I'm I'm back to Solus. Oh, you and your solus. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm even worse. <laughs> you're, you're so loose and you're bougie. Oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> I well, got my so, bougie Oh, that's funny that solus. so loose actually sounds stupid when you say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I'm even running like this. I'm running Skype through Docker. So like this is actually Docker Skype. Yes, I know. We'll talk about Docker in a little bit. So <laughs> because you're so happy with containerization now. Oh, yeah, man. I'm all about it. Containerization. Six syllables. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's nice when you know six syllable words, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. You know, I do containerization at home and you get mad at me. No, that's a different kind of containerization and it's aggravating. It's a sign of edumacation. Edumacation is only five syllables. That's not good enough. Yeah. Edumacationizing. There you there go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk a little bit about Prudac, uh, P-R-U-D-A-Q. It's a fully open source 40 MSPS data acquisition cape for the BeagleBone Black or Green, designed by Jason Holt and his team at Google Research with software collaboration from the BeagleLogic creator Kumar Abhishek. We assisted with manufacturing and beta testing. I'm not sure who we is. Prudac was created to address a need not currently addressed by the market for a portable and low-cost DAC system, DAQ system, that doesn't compromise on performance. This is not an official Google product. Of course, nothing. Google out doesn't it. actually release products. Everything's in beta. It's always right. in beta. So this is uh, on group gets, and they you know sell them in lots. And uh, right now, everything is funded, so uh, you can't buy any. <laughs> okay. As far as I can tell, it looks pretty cool, though. I mean, you could even run an SDR on it as well. It has a you know a ten megahertz oscillator and. Just about everything else you would uh, you would need to get a, a decent SDR running. It says they're available at MCM in stock. Seventy nine whole dollars. Seventy nine dollars. Uh, Seventy nine dollars. Yep. Are you out of your mind? Seventy nine. Are you out of your mind? I think I sounded like Jerry Seinfeld there for a second. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's the deal with? Oh, MCM? geez. Yeah. <laughs> What's the deal with these links that are the wrong size? <laughs> Yeah, it looks like a header, but it's actually a link. Yeah, that's exactly why I didn't even see that. <laughs> so if you need a DAQ cape for $79, now you know where to get one. All right, talk about Morse code decoding. You know, FL Digi works pretty well as long as you don't have a lot of noise coming into the signal. My playing around with it, I would say it's probably 
somewhere in the neighborhood of like 70, 70 to 80 percent copy on marginal signals. And uh, it goes up from there once you get a nice clean signal. And if you have any type of filtering on your rig, it definitely helps, uh, helps a lot more. The other option is XD Morse. And uh, that one, for some reason, they uh, have a, a .config file that you must copy out of the user source blah, 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 blah directory, <laughs> user share <laughs> directory to get it working. So most people install it and then they, it doesn't run and they normally don't know where to go from there. But there's a, there's a demo RC file that you copy over and then it will all of a sudden work. And, and that one works about the same. It's not really much better. It's, it's probably about, you know, a good, maybe 75, 85% copy. And then there's, there was a couple others I, I kind of looked around because I wanted to see if there's anything else out there to compare against. And I found uh, RSCW and, uh, yeah, needless to say, couldn't compile it. <laughs> it's looking for like GTK1 bindings and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's so, old. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, yeah, I'm not going to mess around with that. But then I looked at Morse to text and that's a little newer. I think that's 2009. Woo. Uh, yeah. So really recent. <laughs> That actually built, but uh, I had problems interfacing it with the sound card, so I wasn't really able to see if that one would work any better. But considering the age of it, and considering all the changes and updates to the uh, you know the FFT uh, uh, libraries, I would assume it's probably not as good as it could be. It probably needs like a also shim or something like that because that's pre pulse, right? Two thousand nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I think it goes to Dev DSP by default. So maybe do you have enough information on XD Morris for a teaching moment about like what specifically to do about getting it to run? In uh, version 2.7, they actually have the location of the example file. It's in user shared doc XD Morse examples, XD Morse RC dot examples. And you copy that file into your home directory as dot XD Morse RC. And uh, in general, it'll just work. If you have your primary uh, sound card, you might have to switch it out. You know, it has like the HW0 and HW1, whatever, uh, to select your proper sound card for the for the decoder. And, uh, yeah, then it runs. It's just kind of sad that there's not really a great one. You know, I don't think a lot of people have looked at this. I mean, if you look in, the, like, the Windows world, you have things like, you know, MRP64, which is phenomenal. Decoder Logic is a new one, LY3H, put that one out. It's a freeware, I think, for now. <laughs> <laughs> MRP64 is a, is a, is like a shareware, or I guess it's a, a 30-day trial. Have you tried MRP64 uh, in Wine? No, I have not. I don't know. I think I've tried installing it, and it wouldn't install. But it could be I just didn't have the right library or whatever. I, I will try that. I'm going to try it with CW Decoder Logic, because that one actually is free. And I think that probably would have the best chance of actually operating properly and considering it's free. Free it might is be a, my favorite price, actually. Yeah, my favorite price. And uh, the other ones, you have like CW Get. I don't know if you're familiar with that one. Uh, that's the same as like the CW Skimmer. That uh, one, they do CW Get. No, I'm not familiar with that one, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, CW Get and, uh, well, CW Skimmer. Those will be your uh, bigger ones. I think they use the Skimmer for uh, most of the... Um, uh, RBN networks and stuff like that. So they do reverse beacon networks uh, using that because it decodes a whole swath of bandwidth at once, which is kind of cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they they also have like another one for uh, doing pileup runner or something like that. I can't I can't even remember. But uh, anyways, it's mainly built for people doing uh, you know 
large uh, the expeditions and stuff like that tells them right where like certain signals are and stuff like that. Um, you know, really good ops obviously don't need that, but really poor ops like myself. <laughs> of course, I don't have CW skimmer, but whatever. <laughs> but I have used the the decoder logic and the MRP sixty four. You know, it's it's kind of a good good checker and stuff like that. If you're uh, you know learning CW or trying to beef up your speed, you know, I highly recommend trying out one of these options to kind of get you over that hump. They're not reliable enough, I think, to to have like a you know, full on QSO. I think you're going to drop some characters and you might actually misunderstand things. Contests, I don't think you could use them in contests. You know, the exchanges, everything else, you got the speeds changing too quickly. I would see that they would probably fall flat on their face in contest environments because, you know, especially if you're CQ and, you know, signals are going to come back all over the place. And generally these things go for the, lo- the loudest signal in the passband. So, you know, it'll probably jump all over the place on you and then you'll get one character from everybody talking. It's definitely an option. I'll take a look at that CW decoder logic in wine uh, late. You know, maybe next episode I'll, I'll I'll follow up on that. Yeah, humans have much better discriminator circuits than <laughs> yeah, yeah. The software designed to decode CW. Have you ever used FLDG to encode CW, or do you like to send it yourself? Uh, it depends. Contests. I I generally use uh, function keys. I don't know if it's me or just a function of being human, but I am much better at sending code than receiving it. That's generally the truth of most people. Okay, good. At least it's not me then. Yeah, yeah. So for, so, for some reason, when I'm thinking about sending code, when I when I want to, you know, when I want to send Morse, you know, as a message that I'm aware of, it's far easier for me to to sort of know the Morse alphabet and send it than it is for me to try and figure out what it is coming back. I'm sure there's a a linguist or an audio processing psychologist or something who can explain why it's easier to send than receive, but it just generally is. I mean, it's probably hitting the same. Circuits in your brain is learning a foreign language. Sometimes it's easier to say words and stuff like that because you know what they they're meaning because you're saying them um, than it is to translate back what somebody's saying to you because then you have to you know decode dialect, <laughs> conjugation, <Right. laughs> and everything else that you might not be very good at. Yeah, so you know if you speak to like a native speaker, it it, it will throw you totally off from, and you'd, you'd have the same thing where you like speak slowly and I'll understand you. You know, right. Probably along the same lines of why I can read other languages but not hear them. If I have a text in Spanish, I mean, I took four years of Spanish. If I if I read something in Spanish, I can read it pretty well. Yeah. But if someone is speaking to me in Spanish, that's much harder. With a written word, you have more context to kind of balance your translation on. Right. All right. Well, check those out. I actually went and looked at, or at least I tried to do a couple of, like, Android uh, Morse programs to to bring up on the show to, oh, yeah. to follow up sort of with the ones that you came up with but if you search for morse code in the app store there's like a thousand results <laughs> <laughs> so i didn't even know where to start the first thing i found was like uh m cubed m3 morse or m cube interpreter or something like that anyway it was an m3 something like that yeah and basically what it is is a it's kind of a tutor where it can do both things where it will send Morse code and you type in what you think the code is sending you and it sort of corrects you. Or it does the other thing where you can send the code and it spits back to you what it thinks you're sending. <laughs> so <laughs> you can kind of check yourself, you know, check your, your fist basically and see if you're, you're any good at actually sending Morse code. Unfortunately on my tablet, like I explained earlier, 
it's so slow and so horrible that it didn't actually work real well. But yeah, yeah there are a lot of like, little apps and stuff like that that you can do for practice. Yeah, I'm there's lots of one I have on here. There's lots of tutors. There are also like sound card or even audio based uh, decoders and encoders uh, that you can just plug into your mobile device if you have some sort of audio interface between that and your rig, even if it's just a analog, you know, headphone jack to RCA connection or whatever. And of course, yeah, for I, like Android devices, like there's a good reader called just I think it's just called Morse Code Reader, and it's got a picture of a walrus on the uh, as the icon. That one actually works not too terribly bad. Ted in the chat room says, "Now you want, now you got me wanting to get my CW decoder going again." I, I definitely think we should encourage that. Yeah, so Morse Code Trainer is pretty cool. So it has like a transmitter receive. You can do words. And it gives you a word. So, like, I did, like, uh, I'm going to do words. And, uh, you know, you have to you have to actually tap like you have a, you know, a regular straight key. Sorry, straight key. <laughs> and you have to send it back, and it decodes you as you send it. So, it practices how, how well you send. So, and then it tells you you're wrong. <laughs> that was cho by the way so <laughs> well very good but yeah i can send on my paddle like yeah blazingly fast <laughs> i cannot copy that fast I, I i think on a good day i'm probably somewhere between 13 and 18 words I, per minute yeah i think i'm between like one and 13 <laughs> depending on <laughs> what the message is <laughs> yeah exactly yeah <laughs> Uh, Kleewick in the chat room says Morse machine on Android is working for him. I'm not sure what what is Morse machine. Is it a tutor, decoder, encoder combination? Kleewick <laughs> says Morse Morse machine is a CW tutor, and yeah. Ted says the idea behind decoding is to convert to FFT and decode that data using yeah. a rolling average of dit dot time so as to adjust speed as speed changes. So yeah, yeah. But I think it's also how you deal with the the noise so there's the common core definition of how to decode audio <laughs> yeah yeah foyer transform <laughs> and decode yeah <laughs> yeah it's cool I, I i think it's really awesome that uh there's even programs that do this so it's it's pretty neat <laughs> all right so you have a project that you're doing sort of on your own where you're trying to dockerize the hrpb yeah, so I've, I've kind of been playing around with uh, Docker and uh, building standalone applications. Like right now, I'm using Skype that's running in a Docker because in order for me to talk to Russ, <laughs> I need to have version 4.3 of Skype, which uh, isn't available for Solus. I found a Docker image for Skype 4.3, and surprisingly, it works quite well. Does it sound any different than the last time I talked to you? <laughs> Probably not. No, I have to say it sounds exactly the same. It does fine, and the the delay is is virtually not noticeable. And uh, yeah, so I was like, well, gee, if I can run Skype in Docker, why can't I run CQR log in Docker, <laughs> or you know, any other amateur radio app? So I I started uh, looking at creating my own Docker file and creating my own Docker image, and so far I've gotten uh, CQR log to run. Uh, I have not created the persistence to uh, save the data, but I have got it to actually run using the Ham Radio Pure Blend as kind of my base image. And I installed all the Ham Radio Pure Blend packages in the Docker image. 
So essentially, all my applications that I would possibly want to use are kind of all contained within this application. And now all I need to do is make all the entry points for the various apps that I want to access in this Docker image that will basically be running uh, whenever I want to do ham radio stuff on this particular machine. Do you want to touch on like a 60-second overview of Docker? We've talked about it before, but what what are you doing exactly? What is what is the basis behind Docker, and why are you doing what you're doing with Skype and CQR and so on? Well, a Docker is, a, is basically just a virtualization technique. It's very popular with the DevOps crowd because you're able to spin up complete environments instantly on, uh, you know, on has to download the image, but once you have it downloaded, it'll spin up basically this virtual machine that runs in the background and that you can run a, you know, a front-facing GUI app. You can run services like you know, MySQL, Apache, Nginx. Um, you know, if you want to set up an environment to do J- you know, Django development or Ruby on Rails development, you actually can spin up an entire container. You don't have to have anything on your, you know, your host system maintaining that. And you're also just picking up just what you need to put in the Docker image. So these Docker images are normally stripped down to the point is they only need enough to run the service that you're, you're trying to run in the system. Now, obviously, when you're doing stuff that requires a windowing environment and stuff like that, you, you start losing some of that. So anyways, I was trying to Dockerize. <laughs> <laughs> Dockerize, whatever. And uh, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep working on it. So far, like I said, I have CQR log running um, without saving the database. So I've got to do that as well. So that's, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, I've got, a, I've got a, uh, a Docker image that will run, which is slick. And I have all the ham radio stuff in it that you would normally get in the ham radio pure blend. So and why would I need this? Because I'm running Solus. And uh, it's a little, <laughs> I don't want to comp- compile everything for it. I'm too lazy. <laughs> There's somebody new in the chat room. I must acknowledge them. K7RJV. Yes, K7RJV is in the chat room. Well, good evening to you, sir or madam. I'm going to guess sir, though. <laughs> I think I'm going to play the odds, the odds on this one. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I'll probably be touching back on this uh, this project. And, uh, yeah, we'll see where we'll see where it goes. And if it uh, if it looks like it's going to work well, then I'll, uh, I'll I'll put it up on GitHub and you can have my Docker file. All right, fantastic. I would love to try it. Now that I have Cheryl's old computer that I can do things like that on, spin up virtual environments and all kinds of cool stuff. Cool. Sorry, just focusing on the chat room for a second. Yeah. It's like there's a new call sign. Whoa! <laughs> Mind blown. That's right. <laughs> I guess we're up to three listeners now. Yeah. <laughs> three old people. I know. Ted, Cleewick, and uh, K7RJV. And I don't have my excellent. See, my excellent is gone from my new soundboard. Excellent. I have to, I have to get that one back. So yeah, you can't can't go without. Yeah, that you one. cannot go without excellent. I can do this one though. Okay. All right, that's good. <laughs> All right, that, enough. That's good. <laughs> now I have hey, to, let's uh, let's talk about music. Huh? I have to learn my new soundboard now. <laughs> now that I've installed the software, he's got a new toy. Oh yeah. K7RJV wants to know if Jay Lindsay is the Jay Lindsay he knows. And probably, if you know the techie Jay Lindsay, it's probably that one. The techie one, yeah. <laughs> sure, there can't be more than one. Cleewick wants to know, how do you display the Docker things? Display back to the X server somewhere else, or what? 
display the Docker thing. Like yeah, the, I, the output of CQR log in the image. How do you display it back to the system? It exposes that GUI to your X server, basically. Okay. It does that automatically? I believe so. I didn't see any special setups needed, and I, I didn't need any, so I could be wrong. I was copying a lot of the stuff from the Skype image to try to get it there. Like I say, I'm still learning. <laughs> I'm going to keep on working on it and uh, I still have to get it so I can, you know, actually create the application links on my computer so I don't have to uh, execute them directly from the image itself. Can you, even if it doesn't work, can you send me the, or at least send me like the CQR log Docker image just so I can see the config that you've got set up? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll dig that up afterwards. Okay, sounds good. I, I really want to take a look at that and see how see how it works. Okay, so you wanted to hear music. Well, <laughs> I don't know if you're going to want to hear music when you've <laughs> heard my choice for tonight, but <laughs> we're going to go with it anyway. So let me pull that up here. So the music for tonight, again, I was looking at recent releases that have come out on Jamendo, and this one actually came out on January 21st, a mere two days ago. I don't know if this is when it was actually created and released, but it's when it showed up on Jamendo. So this is by a gentleman named Avi Rosenfeld, and he is an Israeli person. His music that I've seen, and here's a lot of his music on Jamendo, so it's, and it's kind of all over the map. There's a little sort of pop, a little punk, a little, you know, hair band, a little, uh, you know, it's, it's just all over the place. And he's got tons of stuff up there. So uh, I picked this track. It's off of uh, his latest release that, like I said, showed up on Jamendo a couple of days ago as of this recording. It's an album he called Very Heapy, Very Purple 6. And I don't know what heapy means. I thought it was a typo, except he's got six of them with all the same words. So I assume it's correct. If he hasn't figured it out after six albums, then maybe I guess he, he just never will. Maybe how happy it's spelled. Well, okay, maybe so. He's may- also Israeli. May- maybe he's stoned. That could be true as well. Right. So anyway, this is a track called Dragon's Lair, and it sounded so much to me like classic Queensryche and classic 80s hair metal that I had to throw it in here. So it runs about five minutes. Like I said, it's on Jamendo. You can find it. The track listing and all the information about it will be in the show notes. So let me click the button, and we'll listen to some, I don't know, badass hair metal.
Okay, now I realize that I screwed up two things in introducing that song. The first is I never said what the title uh, the title was, <laughs> <laughs> which is Dragon Slayer, which actually was introduced in the lyrics very early on, if you can actually understand them. <laughs> um, and the other thing is I totally forgot about the marimba. <laughs> <laughs> because that's not usually a heavy metal instrument. And I wanted to make some comment about the fact that there wasn't too much cowbell, but there was certainly plenty of marimba. So <laughs> you can never have enough marimba. You can never have enough marimba. Absolutely. So there you go. That's, um, yeah, that's that song. That's dragon slayer <laughs> by Avi Rosenfeld from the album. Very heapy, very purple six that I got off Jamendo. You can check that out. Over there, link will be in the show notes. So, I've got my scotch to do a quick review when we get around to that. And I noticed there's more talk about Docker in the chat room, but we don't have to talk about that, I guess. Sure. <laughs> no, I just I just sent out the 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 this Docker Skype image that I'm using. Kind of shows the magic. It, it X hooks up via a socket. Right. I saw that you posted that in the chat room, which is very cool. And it yeah. does that automatically. Once you create the image, Docker already links back to the server, the X server. Yeah, yeah. Yep, very nice. All right, so we're going to move on from the first three segments and the music to segment four, which is announcements and feedback. And for announcements, I guess we'll talk briefly about Hamvention. First, let me talk about Hamvention 2016, which is, of course, last year's. Almost a year ago. Yeah, almost a year ago now. It's getting close for the new one. But I have ordered and received most of the product to send out for those who were backers of last year's uh, Hamvention campaign. I would like to jump in here and say Russ is just a major procrastinator. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I'm trying to get it done. But this year I've got everybody's things. Well, at least I've got the hats and I've got the mugs and the shot glasses. Should be are, here tomorrow. Right, they should be here tomorrow. Now we're going to have a whole... Badger. load of shot glasses left over. At Hamvention. And they're going to be at this year's Hamvention, so you'll be able to pick them up there. Uh, at a very reasonable price. So are they you, as cool as the mugs? They are not quite as cool as the mugs, but they're okay, well, they're still pretty cool. The mugs are pretty freaking cool. The so. mugs are cool. I like them very much. Oh, so You did good. <laughs> thanks, <laughs> thanks. And I believe I might actually do a run of pint glasses as well yes. to have at Hamvention. Yes. So we should have a bunch of those. And uh, we're also looking at doing a run of T-shirts. Now, I know that T-shirts wind up being very expensive if you want to order them through Cafe Press because of the way they do things. Um, but I've actually managed to manipulate our logo down to a single color image, which makes printing much, much cheaper. So Ooh. I think... I'll be able to get an entire run. I think I'm going to do about 50 T-shirts that we should have at Hamvention to uh, give away to folks who donate to the program. So there's that, too. Plus the pint glasses, shot glasses, and uh, I'm sure we'll have some USB sticks. And, of course, we'll we'll have the Linux distros and all that kind of stuff that we usually bring with us. Miscellaneous stuff. And we're all going to have a really good time. And we're also going to bring one more thing with us this year that we have not brought with us before, and that's Bill. Bill. Yeah, Bill's coming. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're sick and tired of dealing with Cheryl and I, now you have someone new to bug. So People will talk to Bill. They won't <laughs> talk to me. So. <laughs> 
That's right. We'll all be there. That's right. We'll all be there. We have. Well, I'm still not sure why I'm going because, as I said, nobody talks to me. People you have a test to, to take, so. Oh well, that's true. Yep. But you. Well, provided talk to you all the time. I can, I I I assume that it's going to be in an accessible place. I still haven't found any information about it on. The we'll, we'll talk website. with any at UDQ and we'll make sure that it's where you can take it. So. Yeah. Well, we've tried that before. It didn't work. Yeah. Well, we're going to make it work this time. Yeah. Okay. Well. <laughs> So anyway, we've already got our hotel study. room booked. Bill's already got his plane tickets booked. And, of course, we're driving there. So uh, we will be there. We'll be at Hamvention 2017. We're going to start our campaign uh, to fund our trip to Hamvention here very shortly, as soon as I get you know all the stuff mailed out from the last one. So here's <laughs> a stupid question. Since you're an Uber driver yeah, and our car is going to be full, can you strap your passengers on top? Can we just strap Bill No, I don't think they the allow top that, of the car? actually. I'm pretty sure it's in the EULA. <laughs> Are you going to make me order like an Uber Black or something like that <laughs> <laughs> from the airport? It's like, okay, you can order it now. I'm like right in the parking lot. Yeah. Right, that's right. <laughs> I think I might because that way we actually get paid for it. So I'm going to Oh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I asked Russ earlier. I was like, so how far is the airport from like the convention center? He's like, a long way. And I was like, all righty then. So. <laughs> depends on which way you come from. You guys come from the south or from? Uh, yeah, we yeah, come, we from, come the from the southwest. Yeah. So. Oh, so you don't go through Indy at all? No, we do go. We go straight through Indy. Oh, well, then but you'll it, go right by the airport because the airport's just north of the highway there. Right, but where Xenia is is actually south. Like, and, oh, where, yeah, and where we're yeah. staying is in Dayton South. So we're all south of uh, I-70 Yeah, by a yeah, fair yeah. amount. So That's very true. Yeah. So anyway, enough about that. We're gonna, we'll are gonna we be there, and we hope all of you are, too, and we all get to Yay. talk to you and say hi and all that good stuff. Yeah, we don't have a booth yet, but we'll no, see. no. As soon as they figure out how to, you know, get tell, everybody in booths, right, yeah. and, and all of that, and tell us how much we have to pay for their booth and all of that crap, then we'll get that done. But we we have an in with the Hamvention folks, so we're we're good. It's because Sweet. I've like batted my yeah. eyes at them. <laughs> That's right. Kind of wind at them a little bit. So right. you spritzed yourself down and put on some nice makeup and made goo goo eyes and everything, and so yeah, it's all good. All right, so we don't really have any feedback either. We did get a tweet from Cubicle Nate who said that OpenSUSE would be the install he would recommend and have recommended to prospective Linux users, and the software center there in SUSE is tip-top. So I believe we need to take another look at OpenSUSE and give it an LHS readiness score. We we did. We we did Tumbleweed, which is their rolling release. And, right. Uh, yeah, they had it scored quite highly. Okay. Well, let's. I have to go back and look at it. And uh, what else was I going to say about OpenSUSE? Oh, the the Pantheon desktop or you know windowing environment is coming. Well, is is available now in OpenSUSE. Spectacular. Well, maybe we need to do a quick review of that then. Yeah, I installed it. It crashed and burned. So. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I don't know if it's quite ready for prime time yet. It did look pretty. I was like, ooh, it almost looks like elementary OS. And then it was like, okay, so as soon as the windows become minimum, or what do you call it, uh, not maximized, but, you know, windowed instead of full size, <laughs> you lose control of them. <laughs> right. I was like, well, that's not a good artifact to have. <laughs> now, it could have just been my system, but, yeah, well, you know, I'll spin up a new one. All right. So we're going to take another look at OpenSUSE, and we'll talk about it probably in the next episode. So there we go. Always nice to have some feedback from folks, at least telling us what they think is useful, and uh, we're always willing to take another look or a first look at something you know we haven't really explored. 
we have our bully pulpit here, so we'll force things down people's throats. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I just need Bougie to be on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you can install Bougie on anything. It doesn't have to be on Solus. So that's what I, I want to see for next next time. I want to see Bougie running on OpenSUSE. Bougie on OpenSUSE. Okay. There you go. That, that's your mission. In a, you in a Docker environment. In a Docker environment. Right? There you go. <laughs> All All right. One thing at a time. <laughs> All right. So we're going to move on. Thanks for the feedback, Cubicle Nate. And we'll talk about some food here. Don't food want, we haven't had. Don't you want to do your whiskey review first? No, I can do that after. Or do you want me to do it first? Well, yeah, because I, I haven't want, actually taken a sip of I it I want yet. to taste it before you suck it all oh, down. Oh, okay. Do you, you don't even know what it is. I want to taste it before you suck it oh, all down. Oh, well, taste it now. Do you want... Should I not know what it is first? No, just try it, then I can tell you what it is. It's one of the ones we've had for a while. Okay, I like it. You like it? Yeah. Okay, because this is the one that I've been fighting with for like two years now. Oh, that you weren't... Sh- yeah, you... <laughs> okay, you just said you hadn't tried it, though. No, I said it... I didn't say I hadn't tried it. I'm pretty sure that's what you just said. No, I said this is one of the ones that's been around for a while. No, it's no, no, of- no. Before that, you said I oh, I haven't tried it yet or something. Uh, you'll you'll see when you play. Can we go back, back to the tape? Can we? Can we- <laughs> <laughs> I think I- you said something along the lines of you hadn't tried it yet. So because I said, well, I want to try it before you suck it all down. So. No, 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 I haven't tried today. Today oh, I haven't God, tried. God, well, you didn't, you didn't <laughs> put that today comma yeah, I'm sorry. on there. No, so. I have not tried it yet. It's been sitting here on the table. I have not had a right. sip of it, so that's what I meant. Well, you no. were in the bar five minutes ago. Right, right. So. No, I have tried this before. I just have not tried it again since the last time, whenever that was. It has a typical Band-Aid-y taste, so. It does? Because it, it doesn't to me. I'm pretty oh, sure. Oh, no, it does. All right, well, let me take a quick taste. All right. Okay, a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, it has a typical Band-Aid-y taste. Um, this is <laughs> Not actually- that I chew on Band-Aids a lot, but <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> all right, so well, real come quick. on, we all have. Oh, <laughs> well, <know>. yes. <laughs> in, our, in our utes. In our utes. <laughs> <laughs> so what this Ooh, is that we're talking about is the Ben Romek 10-year. Ben Romek is a space side, if I'm not mistaken. You can do that look up for me yes, real sir. quick while I check it. Um, but Ben Romick is a space side. I got this highly recommended from a guy named Ralphie, who is a Scottish gentleman who lives on the Isle of Man and who does YouTube whiskey reviews. And every year he does a, this is my favorite, or this is what I consider the best sort of affordable scotch of the year. And I believe Ben Romick 10 was his pick for 2014. Uh, so uh, was it? I believe it was because I got it much after I got it after that. So okay, uh, I could be wrong about that. Is kind of irrelevant. But anyway, this was his pick for the best affordable scotch for 2014, and I have been having a sort of hate relationship with the Ben Romick 10, and I have not found that I really like it. So I figured I would try it again tonight, and actually, I'm kind of enjoying it tonight. There's they all drink if you're not going to. Um, it has more of a peat taste than I remember, a little more citrus, a little more lemon, like a, a, a lemon zest kind of flavor to it, a tiny little bit of um, almost uh, anise taste to it, very, very subtle in that. I kind of am seeing what he saw in it now more than I have in the few other times I've tried it. Maybe it just wasn't the right time or right day or what. 
Uh, it's a little more complex than I remember, and it's a little more complex than I remember from most of the 10 years that I've tried that weren't Isla's that sort of just fit my my palate and my flavor profile anyway. So I'm actually enjoying this. I'm not sure I would call it the best scotch of 2014 or any year, but it's definitely good. It's definitely better than I remembered it the last time I tried it, or the last, I don't know, four or five. Well, you've had that bottle for a couple of years now, so it's been aging even on the counter. Right, and maybe with age it's getting better. I don't know, because it's probably like a 12-year now at this point since you know, right. since I actually bought it. So maybe it is improving with age. But it's not bad. You, you can certainly do worse. And I believe Benromic 10 runs about 32 or $33 a bottle. Uh, it looks like it's about 50 Oh, is it 50 Yeah. Okay, well, my bad. <laughs> did i not buy that for you no i'm sure you did i didn't think it was quite that expensive yeah no yeah, usually okay i don't buy you anything under about 50 bucks so. all right well there you go so the rule of thumb apparently is 50 dollars, not 30 dollars. in which case okay this is a little less desirable then because i've had some much better 30 and 35 dollar scotches than this so anyway i'm going to continue to enjoy this you can talk about chicken lazone the recipe this week is chicken lazone. We have I have not been cooking the last um, couple of weeks because it's been my birthday, a couple of, uh, on the fifteenth, and I of course belong to a lot of uh, e clubs for different restaurants. So we've been getting a lot of free appetizers and entrees. So we've been using those, but uh, due to being busy today, Russ said we need a recipe. So I quickly scrounged this one up. And the name of it is Chicken Lazone, and it has some kosher salt, some garlic powder, some chili powder, uh, some chicken breast tenders. The easiest thing to do with that is get some boneless, skinless chicken breasts and just cut them into strips. Some alt- unsalted butter and some cream, and you mix everything together. You know, brown your chicken in your skillet, mix the cream and the butter together to make a sauce, and you can serve this over pasta or mashed potatoes. And since Russ loves stuff like this, I'm sure this will be something that gets fixed over the next couple of weeks. So It sounds like it could be a winner. And actually, the more I drink this, I'm actually getting some, like, cocoa nib-type flavor off it, too. So, <laughs> yeah, And I it. never... Interrupted my recipe corner for your scotch review. I'm sorry. I never it's actually late. got chocolate off of this before. So I'll, I'll have to, you know, include I, there's, that. In there's there. lots of things. I When you were in there drinking the scotches... I think you miss a lot of stuff because I'll be like, ooh, this tastes like honey. And you're like, nah, it doesn't. And later we'll look up reviews and people will say, you know, and I tasted notes of honey or whatever. So I'm like, well, obviously I'm not the only one picking that up. So. Well, I can honestly say I never got cocoa off of this before, but I am definitely getting it tonight. So maybe little, age has yeah. done it some good. Who knows? Maybe. We'll check out the chicken lazone. I assume that we are going to check out the chicken lazone in the next week or two. It sounds interesting, and it's really simple. I mean, just based on yeah, the it's recipe. Yeah, it's a five ingredient or six ingredient recipe. So yep. yeah, that was the one thing I went, ooh, that sounds easy enough. So a little bit of spices, some chicken, butter, and cream. Yeah. Yep. How can you what, go wrong? Yeah, how could you go wrong with that? So. All right. So we're at the social media roundup. Let's hit it. Woohoo! Yeah, let's do it. I don't have my excellent. I would do it if I had it, but I don't. <sighs> <laughs> I'm so sad. Oh, too bad. Oh, yeah. Excellent. There we go. It was pretty close. All right. (laughs) (laughs) So on the subscriptions this time, we have Jonas Rulo, Jeremy Hall, Michael Connolly, Scott Pettigrew, Bob Yerke, Paul Griffith, Ronald Icke, Johnny Kinsey, Brian Smith, Robert Halliday, Ben Schramm, Michael Aiello, John Clark, Rob Branch Dash, 
Edward Donnelly, Donald Gover, Alan Wilson, Stephen Sainer, Dylan Engel, James Blocker, Mike Lasky, Darren King, Petro Kotsarkis, Donna Farron, Bill Stearns, Bill Piotr, Robert Pitts, Jeff Cannell, John Fotchke, Doug Redder, and Christopher Weaver. On Facebook, James Soderland, Raj BNR. I, I, yeah, I have no clue how to pronounce that. Raj Boner. Yeah, there you go. That's good. <laughs> Maddie the Ham Man, Rex Voki or Vaki, Brian Russell, Chuck Patterson. On Twitter, uh, Rex Vaki joined us. Rad Wire, Crypt Zero, W1MSW, Anton Top, Daz Mahdi, and Aaron Van 1964. Let me correct you. It's Dan M0TTY. That's a oh, sorry. U- UK call sign. No, oh, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. I, I completely understand you not getting that one. So. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I need to change the font on my screen again. Uh, um, Google Plus is on live Infotech. Nobody joined us on YouTube. Nobody for the mailing list, and no one for merchandise sales. Oh, that's too bad. Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, that means we are down to the end of the program. Yay! Don't yay. say no. You don't have to say yay to that. Oh, right. Boo. Boo. Right. <laughs> well, right. no, because it's ten twenty-one p.m. Oh, there you go. Which means I push this little button, and we hear some music. <gasps> It's there. there. All right. So you can become an LHS ambassador. Visit the website for upcoming events and information on how you can represent Linux in the Ham Shack at a nearby Linux Con or Ham Fest. We love feedback. You can email us at info at lhspodcast.info, comment on an episode on the website, post on Google+, Facebook, or Twitter, or leave a voicemail at 1909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1909-547-7469. You can visit our IRC channel, that's Octothorpe LHS Podcast, on the IRC Freenode Network. And you can subscribe to our mailing list. You can also get merchandise about the show with our little logo on it, with cool stuff on your clocks or mugs. And maybe we'll have some new stuff coming up in the near future. So check that out. You can go to cafepress.com stroke LHS Podcast for now. But there may be some new options in the future. We'll Ooh. see. Uh, you can also help out the show by clicking on the sponsored ads, which are on the right-hand column and the top column of the Linux in the Hamshack website. You can listen to us every other Monday night, 8 o'clock Central Time. That's Tuesday at 0100 Zulu in the summer, 0200 Zulu in the winter. Uh, our recording schedule and countdown timer to the next episode are on the website. Check out lhspodcast.info for everything you ever wanted to know about the show. Thank you to all of our listeners. Quasi-live, live, past, present, and future. We appreciate every one of you and those of you who show up to listen to the live recording and hang out with us in the chat room while we do this and talk to you, you know, specifically for the evening. My name is Russ. I'm K5TUX, the host for the show. You have been listening to episode number 183 of Linux in the Ham Shack. So for me and for Cheryl. Goodbye, everyone. And Bill. 73, everyone. We'll see you in a couple of weeks' time. Take care, everybody. Bye.